Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress, and I'm excited about this episode of Talking Timber. We're going to be speaking to Chris Duncan, a BC accountant with MNP. The firm handles a number of companies in the forest industry, so Chris has a unique perspective and he has many ways to entice new blood to your company. But right now though, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation. Both are dedicated to providing sound technical education about the forest industry. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation is giving out thousands of dollars in scholarships. You can check out their work at www.pacificforestfoundation.com. Also, we want to thank our new sponsors, Timber West Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. You can subscribe now for free just by going onto their website, www.forestnet.com. Okay, now let's hear from Chris and how he got involved in the industry. Hi, so and welcome. I, I got started in the industry basically from birth. So I was I was born into a logging family. My dad was a contractor uh, here on Vancouver Island. So I um, basically started from day one and uh, kind of, it was always the, the joke in high school is if I wanted to take a day off of school, then uh, no problem, but you're going to come out and work with me. And, you know, I got tired of hooking chokers behind a skidder or, or uh, knee deep in mud. So I decided to go to school and become an accountant instead. Okay. Uh, my my dad always laughs now though that that even though I went to school to become an accountant now I deal with probably 80% of my clients are are forestry related in some shape or form so it kind of just I naturally gravitated back to, to what I was familiar with in, in the long run. So how long have you been with the company you're with now? Uh, so I've been with the MMP now uh, this is uh, coming on 10 years so and it's uh, it's been a, a great 10 years. Uh, working with a, a wide variety of clients and, and a lot of forestry clients. So, and uh, I, I kind of started straight out of out of uh, university and, and worked up through the ranks and until I my newest role is the national leader for our forestry and forest products practice. So, wow. Um, so, how, what, what does that include? Um, so basically I'm in charge of all of our forestry clients for across the firm, um, helping other partners across the firm, uh, with those clients and, and kind of with their needs and specific forestry needs that, that might arise and, and, uh, and, uh, traveling around trying to promote MMP's forestry practice. Okay. What, what sort of things do foresters have issues that maybe other companies don't? Uh, I think. Definitely in, in the uh, logging side, harvesting side of things, it's it's a it's a it's a margin war. You're you're battling slim margins, so you have to be super efficient and and working on your efficiencies and and running your business actually like a business and and not by your bank account is is critical in in the logging industry and okay. and working with a lot of clients on that, working on their efficiencies. How do they do better? And where are they? Where are their cost savings within their business? Do you find some places that a lot of businesses can save costs? Yeah, no, I think there there definitely is, and I mean, one of the old the oldest trade offs I think in the industry is: do I go out and buy new equipment, or do I do I repair the the old equipment I have and and put money into the old equipment? And and 
and it's it's different for every contractor as far as what the answer the magic result will be there but i mean we can definitely see it when you start spending too much time repairing equipment and your downtime that you lose can, okay. can definitely uh be um counterintuitive to just going out and buying a new piece of equipment and financing it okay so is there anything that makes your company a little bit different than others that you think I think that our our advantage or competitive advantage, so to speak, against other accounting firms that deal in in our space is is the the fact that we invest in the industry and our knowledge in the industry. So, I mean, myself, I I I, I can actually go out and identify what pieces of equipment people are on and operating. Uh, I could actually probably hop in half of them and still still <laughs> run them to some degree, which I don't think there's very many accountants out there that one want to get their boots dirty and and two actually know how to operate the equipment or or what the equipment even does if you were to point at it, at it in a picture in a magazine or something like that okay. so and and a lot of my team has similar experience to that and and we for the folks that come in and join our team that don't we we take them out we visit clients out in the bush and and get that real world experience because it's so valuable when you're sitting in an office talking about something you can't really advise on it if you've never seen it or know how it operates Oh, that makes absolute sense. So some of our your new uh, employees must think it's a little strange to go out and check out harvesting equipment or? Yeah, I, I think so. It's funny because you go through university as a as an accountant, you know, the, the sort of stereotypical bean counter. And, and the first thing lots of them end up doing is taking a, 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 a course that I've created for our, for our new recruits on on the forest industry and and all the different terminologies that that are used in the industry that are so unique to the industry like you know the old the old crummy driver it's not yeah. a bad it's not a bad driver that's just the person that's driving a crummy yeah uh, but i mean i've literally had clients that have said that that their old accountant had no idea what a crummy was and uh you know had had no idea what a grapple yarder was and things like that and how can you advise a, a business properly if you don't know their industry that well yeah, no. And do you find they're kind of surprised your new employees are surprised about certain aspects or? I think they are. I mean, to the general public, I'd say 90% of the population has no idea how that two by four ends up in Home Depot. Okay. And when when they actually go out and get to see the tree coming off the stump and being loaded onto a, lo a logging truck and hauled off to the, to the sawmill, I, it really brings a real perspective to that hidden industry. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. So. Oh, oh yeah, no, I mean, a, a lot of the the, the harvesting industry, it, it just kind of hides in the best bush and 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 the general population really never gets to see it uh, in person. They don't get to see the equipment harvesting trees and and they don't get to see the, the trucks. They, you know, most people get to see a logging truck hauling, hauling a load down, down the road, but that's about as far as they ever get to see on the harvesting industry side of things. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's great. So um, I am going to jump forward a little bit. You had an article out about how to make your business a little more attractive to employees. And I was wondering if maybe you yep. might speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things the the industry is definitely facing right now is a is an issue with bringing in new blood into into the fold and 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 I think 
it, it comes down to the way we're teaching folks in high school how like about the industry and I mean I I've got small kids myself and and when I kind of hear some of the things that, that the teachers are saying about the industry it, it's it's not realistic so I think there, there's a whole education part to it that we need to be educating folks to bring them into the industry um, but but really the first thing an employer has to do is is make their business more attractive so uh, right now in this era of technology it's really hard to get an 18 or 20 year old to get up at two o'clock in the morning to drive two hours out into the bush to go log and and so one of the things that we're seeing is the advancement in technology in the harvesting industry and and I think it, it it's going to have to advance a lot further to get the right people in here but it, adopting technology is just a is a huge part to that making yourselves attractive to to the next generation of employees and, and owners uh, in, in the industry and I know that's one of the big questions we have is how how are we as a firm adopting technology uh, when we're having interviews with new folks and and what are the advancements and and I can see that with it's just the kind of a general thing the millennial generation they've grown up with technology and, and they want to see it adopted everywhere so when they go out and take a look at the logging operation and and we're essentially logging the same way we were 30 yeah. years ago in many cases they kind of just go oh that's that's kind of a, an outdated industry which it isn't you see some of the new technology coming out of new zealand and it's amazing what what there is to be adopted yeah. and we're, we're starting to see it happen in north america i think we need to go further for that next generation to be more interested i, I honestly think one day it might be very similar to like the what the the military has i mean the military can fly operations around the world with a drone uh sitting in a in a with their bum in the seat somewhere in, in north america and i think that will be the same thing that will happen in the logging industry one day that somebody will hop up fire up their computer hit a program and they'll be able to start harvesting uh, a hillside 50 50 miles away down the road or something like so i i think technology is getting there it's, it's taking its sweet time and it's it's an it's an interesting industry in the fact that adoption of technology takes time so are there other ways to make yourself an employer of choice one is is just do things differently than 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 the rest that can be as simple as uh having a unique and interesting uh, training program that that your competition doesn't have. Okay. Um, I mean, it, there's there's countless ways, but that's the real thing. Is currently is how do you differentiate yourself from the rest? Because that the the millennial generation they 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 look and see that it's just the logging industry. It's just the forest industry. Um, but how how can you set yourself apart from the rest be it technology be it unique interesting hiring procedures i mean we've all heard of the way google has their their thought patterns and and employees can spend company time on creating unique ideas and so it's just being different and i think that's okay. one of the key parts in in the the current trends right now do you see some of your clients being unique or trying new things 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I lots of the clients I have are, are trying things because there's there is a definite labor shortage. I don't think we've I can call it a labor crisis yet in the industry, but there is a shortage and and. So lots of folks are trying ways on how do you break people into the industry. So, you know, the age old thing that happens is you break somebody in on a, on a faller buncher and you've spent months and months of time investing in the person and they get a couple dollars an hour more somewhere else and they, they hit the road. So yep. um, it's, it's the battle of what are the other incentives people look for now? And is not always necessarily the mighty dollar. Sometimes it's it comes down to as simple as more time to be at home with their family, um, okay. or vacation. Uh, like it's interesting, but it seems that money isn't the end all uh, that it possibly was 20 years ago with with folks that were um, yeah. kind of changing jobs. We see it now. A lot of folks. Don't even want to work um, full time necessarily, and and I mean, so it's it's difficult. I kind of always look at it and say, at least on the coast of uh, British Columbia, Canada, most of the time it's one of the few careers that you uh, you work for most of the winter, spring, and fall, and you can have all summer off to go fishing and do whatever <laughs> else you want to do. Um, so I think there's there's just ways of packaging what the industry has in a different manner that, that isn't quite there yet. So. Okay. Were there other things you think would be good to try to attract folks besides being different? I think there's really an education gap that's happening too. So, so many folks I talk to, I think it's this rural divide, the, the urban versus the, 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 the rural debate is is raging i know definitely up, up north of the border here in canada and i i think the some of the western states would have the same issues in that yeah as our populations move into the bigger city centers we become more and more disconnected with where our stuff actually comes from so you know we we go to the grocery store and pick up a jug of milk we don't understand that that's coming from a cow on a field somewhere um, and it's very similar to our forestry products. People touch forestry products every single day, but hardly anybody could probably tell you actually the source of where those have come from and how they got into your hands. And I think educating our young people and taking mm -hmm. risks on our young people is another one that I've seen uh, lots of success on. Uh, some of my clients that's basically they've just come to the realization that they're going to be a training field for for the industry and okay. and they they train and and I think that's one of the biggest things that the industry struggles with is because you're 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 almost guaranteed that they will move on at some point in time okay uh, it's people don't train and and that's just continues to further the issues that the the industry has with labor is that if we're not training the right bodies we're not getting, we're not getting the the right people that move on into the industry into more advanced roles. So, not only do we have a labor shortage, I think we're, the 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 writing is on the wall for eventually. A lot of contractors have gray hair, and we're going to have a hard time finding replacements to take over those businesses as well. So it's it's the training young people, educating it. I mean, I can remember 
in high, not even in high school, I can remember in elementary school, uh, a logging contractor and a forced landowner coming to our school and telling us all about the whole process of how the tree gets knocked down, uh, yarded, pulled out onto a truck, loaded, the whole process. And then the forester talked about how, okay, after five years, this is what the forest now looks like. This is 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. Oh, look at, we're ready to harvest again. And I don't think a lot of people understand that anymore. So it's the, no, I agree. It's the, how do we package our industry in a manner that we're a green, we're a green industry. We're, we're a, a, a renewable resource, a renewable industry. So how do we package that and, and build off of that? And I think in an environment where we see the, the such a focus on the environment and, and how to be greener, our, our industry is, is, is set if we had the right lobbying and and um in education we we were set we could be well positioned to to fill that fold and and be the the green alternative for many many different products out there on the market at this at this point in time hi we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors the pacific forest foundation and the pacific logging congress as well as timber west magazine and logging and sawmilling journal Due to the coronavirus, the 2020 PLC Congress has been moved to 2021. This doesn't mean they aren't going to be active this year. They are going to still promote sound technical forest education. To find out more, just visit www.pacificloggingcongress.com. Okay, back to Chris. Have you, do you have any of your clients that you've seen have a successful education program? Or are you, are you seeing some folks doing that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, what I've, so it's, it's interesting. Um, what, what's happened is, I mean, in BC, especially, I, I'd say there's a shortage of, of folks entering the industry. And, and so I've seen some unique creative ways on how uh, contractors have actually created education programs and then created offshoot businesses from, from their actual contracting business that, that now they're, that now they're a, a driving school and they're a heavy equipment operators uh, school and so they yeah. can they've actually created now they're the training go-to so so this was a logging company that kind of created its own training schools that are offshoots is that what you're saying yeah yeah so we've, I've seen a few in it across BC uh, logging companies and, and they kind of they realize there's a need for for, for folks in the industry and they kind of got tired of training and then the folks moving on. So instead they, they said, well, you know what, we're, we know logging, we know how to uh, train a person and put, put bums in seats. So how do we, how do we make a business from this? And, and so they created a, a training school and, uh, and have had great success. And it's kind of now seen as a, uh, a, a resource that other contractors can now get qualified people from uh and it also in a sense it helps the operators of it because i mean they know who all the prime young good operators are that oh, are yeah. coming up through the industry and and they've got first kick, crack at the can to try to get them working for them in in on the logging side of things um but but i'm seeing more and more of that model and i mean it, it's it's funny because in many industries that's just the norm that 
you train up folks and you may only retain 30 or 40 percent of them or 50 percent if you're lucky i mean myself with with my own business as an accounting background accounting is a field where you 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 train people and they move into different fields and into different things and, and it's just a given that you're you know you you get a few years of great service from people you train them up and they become better accountants and go out and do their own thing or or work for different companies and and the forest industry hasn't quite gotten to that stage and i think it's because margins are so tight that it's really hard to to add in that you know a, a dollar a meter two dollars a meter or more cost of training and then you just have to redo the whole thing over again six months a year from now so yeah no that makes sense the and i I've, I've read that millennials tend to change careers more often than their predecessors that yeah i mean i've i've read stats of four to five uh career changes um in in a lifetime versus if we were to look at the baby boomer generation i think it's 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 like it's two or at the most so um yeah. we're and and i think we see it i mean we we see people coming into different fields and they've had 10 or 15 years in one field and then they go back to school and and enter completely different opposite field so yeah so do you uh, have to deal with uh is that part of the no backup when you're when you're doing accounting do you figure in training and some of these some of your costs for business and that kind of thing yeah no i mean uh definitely in the accounting world we've we uh we have the the training figured in there and and i mean when i'm working and advising clients looking at i can almost look and analyze the productivity on on equipment and tell you you know what stage in a career that person is at because of the you know the 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 cubic meters harvested per per hour for for different pieces of equipment or yarded um and tell and, and I mean it it's paying lots of folks like to pay a premium for a good operator and and sometimes that's the right move sometimes it isn't okay. but um, yeah you can just see it on paper right there huh you quite often it's funny but you you can usually I could probably in half an hour take a look at uh, a, a company's financial results and and start asking questions along, along the lines of just from that kind of getting of the big picture and, and then start going from there and talking about efficiencies and it can come right down to fuel per for fuel per um, cubic meter harvested or or your cost of repairs and maintenance per cubic meter harvested so it's okay. uh, it can be it, it's quite interesting and, and and geographically there'll be minor adjustments but um, when I look at British Columbia, for instance, if if I've got harvesters out on the coast versus harvesters in the interior, um, there's there's differences, and they but there there's a lot of similarities. And and when you do the same exercise, um, you're within a couple dollars at the end of the day in most cases. Um, wow. Comparing comparing geographic regions, I mean, it'll it'll vary greatly if they're logging, uh, you know, larger coastal species versus some of the smaller interior species but um but yeah i mean there's a lot of similarities despite geographic areas 
So. So besides, you know, just trying to get new employees, um, is there advice you find you're giving to a lot of companies that come in? A large amount of my time is really spent on like, what's the right rate? So if I'm if I'm going to go work for a landowner, uh, what should I be charging for my equipment? And so I've worked with numerous clients on on working through that process. So um, kind of actually really understanding what their cost is on their equipment, and and this is an area that I think going forward, we'll see more and more uh, activity in, in the logging world and that we're, we're in a low margin industry. So we have to use our, our, our wits about us and, and, and try to cost out and, and project everything as much as possible. And I kind of say like, there's a whole generation starting out there of, I call them smart loggers mm-hmm. and, and they use the data that they're provided. So so there's so much data out there in the industry now, like y- your, your equipment will produce reams and reams of de- data that you can get from the dealership t- as far as consumption per hour for fuel and, 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 and things like that. And, and now it's using that data to actually understand your costs so that if you're negotiating uh, your rates with the landowner that you're looking to log for is no your costs and knowing okay we can we can wiggle and 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 give up a little bit room here because we have the room versus in the past a lot of it was kind of just by gut feeling and gumption that uh yep this is my cost and in in reality it could could have been the cost but okay nine times out of ten when you actually start running the numbers that's not your real cost your your real cost can be significantly different and depending on your harvest volume, a dollar a meter can mean a lot. Yeah. And, and so when, you know, we're talking, we'll call it a hundred thousand meters. Well, that, that $1 difference could be the difference of making a hundred thousand dollars or losing a hundred thousand dollars. So um, yeah. I, I work with a lot of contractors on that working through what the right rate is for that piece for their particular pieces of equipment and what should they be charging. And then that that's a really valuable tool for them to collaborate with landowners to, to take to the to the landowners and 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 kind of help through the negotiation process that well, if this is the rate you're willing to offer me, this is my cost and I need to get my cost out of this, plus some sort of a return on my investment to be able to operate or else why wouldn't I just take my money and put it in the bank? No, that sounds very, very helpful for the walker out there. I've recently worked with a few businesses on some of the new technology coming out of New Zealand and and what the right rates are for some of that new equipment that's never been tested on on the west coast of North America. So how do we how do we deal with it now? How do we figure out what the right rates are? And and that's been quite uh, interesting definitely you know i'd say in the last couple of years here since since we've been seeing a lot of that coming in online have they been finding it's uh the equipment's helping making them more profitable yeah i mean i think new zealand's got some sim- similar terrain definitely to to the to the west coast in a lot of cases and i think <clears throat> we're seeing some winners and we're seeing some losers as far as the technology goes um 
it, it really depends on the type of wood we're logging here on, on the coast. And, and a lot of our, what we call second growth is, is kind of ideally suited to, to a lot of the, the models coming out of New Zealand and that the New Zealand wood is kind of comparable wood profile. Um, and, and we're seeing a lot of efficiencies built into that. So when, when you can have a machine hanging off the side of a, of, off a slope, dangling essentially on a, on a guide wire, uh, harvesting your, your timber and, and then, and then, um, the efficiencies there in your yarding processes and everything, we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of that. The only problem right now is, is the cost to enter is very prohibitive in that, I mean, if you're going to spend a million dollars on a piece of equipment, you really have to have it working all the time. And, and, and yeah. that's, that's the only, I'd say the real big issue um, as far as the new technology coming out. I think maybe as time goes on, some of the cost will come down and it will be more available to, to our contractors out there. But for now, that's the biggest barrier. Yeah. Well, for an accountant, you know an awful lot about the wood industry, so or the timber industry. <laughs> So for your company, are there some highlights or for you personally over the years, this last decade? Or? We've got a really robust forestry team built up across the country now. And I'm, I'm really proud in that we've decided that an investment in the industry is, is worth the time of our firm. And that, I mean, and we understand the industry and we understand the cyclical nature of it, that it's got its ups and downs because what what we've heard from a lot of clients is that they they've not gotten the right service in the downtimes and kind of my opinion is is that that's when our clients need us the most is when they're struggling and when they're facing market tough market conditions and 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 the crazy world as is that we currently have yeah um and, and that's not the time to abandon the the industry i mean we have to realize that that it has its ups and downs and we can't just be there when it's strong and and uh as, as far as a firm we're really we really get that we understand we understand business as we're all business owners ourselves and and I, i'm really proud in the firm in that sense because i mean being the fact that i grew up in the industry i i can remember countless ups and downs through the through the through the years and and uh um and I mean, it's bound to happen in the future as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So the, how big is your firm? Uh, so we're actually the largest accounting firm in Canada. Wow. Um, that's, that is just a Canadian firm though. So we don't have uh, operations outside of Canada, but um, it's, uh, we've got uh, about 6,000 people across the country, um, 80 plus offices. Uh, and we stretch from literally from I'm sitting here on the West coast and we've got offices in Halifax uh, on the East coast. So we, uh, wow. we stretch coast from coast. You so, do. So, yeah. so out of that, that 6,000, how many of them are sort of dedicated to the timber industry? Is it kind of segregated like that or? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, our forestry team is probably about 40 to 50 people across the country. So, okay. uh, um, and we have other specialty focus areas besides the forest industry. So um, being uh, a lot of Canada, like uh, uh, kind of stretches across the breadbasket there, we've got a huge um, 
focus on agriculture as well. And there's a lot of kind of crossover from the forestry side and agriculture in, in our firm as far as uh, woodlot owners and, and whatnot. Uh, and then we've also got a strong focus on First Nations, which uh, on the West Coast here uh, is becoming more and more uh, integrated with our forestry and the fact that uh, uh, many of the, the, the First Nations uh, have now began uh, uh, to kind of focus on the resource that's in their own backyard. So mm-hmm. um, we're seeing a lot of kind of partnerships with Indigenous groups and um, and kind of collaboration, which is which is really good to see. Yeah, that's great. So are there any goals your firm has here coming up or are just steam, uh, steam on ahead or? <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, steam on ahead. We're always looking, we're always looking for uh, good forestry clients to work with and, and always looking for forestry businesses to uh, help improve efficiencies and build their bottom line. And, and I think that's the, that's the key is that we're, we're always looking for, for businesses to partner with and, and work with. We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation, the Pacific Logging Congress, and Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. They made this podcast possible. And most importantly, we want to thank Chris for being part of Talking Timber. Until next time, take care.